0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Kalamazoo, Michigan campus. For more info on the church, visit newdaycommunity.org. Yes, I am the sermonator. And uh, interestingly enough, when I was uh, working on an outline, I actually worked on an outline, I, uh, I looked up. And found my notes from last time I was here, which was August nineteenth, twenty (laughs) twelve. So almost exactly three years ago. And I'm back. (laughs) And now I'll take this off so I can actually see. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm not gonna do a Jim Jones. I Oh, wow. I don't know whether I'm even going to do anything with that, but I've got it just in case. Oh, God is so good. I just, oh. First of all, I was just so blessed. It just melts my heart to see and hear the worship of God and the love of God poured out and reflected back in this place it just it just undoes me um and i think about what paul said about you know what is our joy or our crown of rejoicing it's you in the presence of god and uh oh i was just i was i was melting or in various modes over there and and at one point i felt like (laughs) i felt like i'm I'm, uh, and see, this, this actually is part of the message, okay? Because what I would love to do would be to inspire some g- s- greater sense of the glory and the wonder and the excellence of our God, because I think, well, I'm going to get to that, but, but what I felt like, I got to share these two little things because they're wonderful. I felt like a little like I was like a little ant, just the little tiny ones that you know that get in your house and crawl around. But I was like one of those crawling around on the on Mount Rushmore. You know, and feeling like, yeah, I know Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> you know, because I know I'm in touch with God and I'm really experiencing him, but I know that he is so vast. Compared to me, and to p- compared to my knowledge of him, that it's almost absurd. But yet he invites me to come, and 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 he says, "Yeah, yeah, that's me. You know me. That's yeah." But there's a whole bunch you don't know yet, and it just oh, I love that. And then immediately after that, I found myself in the final scene of the perfect storm. Do you, Anybody, has anybody seen that movie, The Perfect Storm? Well, that's old, man. <laughs> well, at the at the end, this this guy f- finds himself out in the ocean, in the midst of these like gigantic fifty, hundred foot waves, and he's just got a life preserver, and he, of course he's gonna die. But for a little while, he's alive, in the midst of this incredible majesty, and he's just, and and I. I saw that movie on an airplane, so it's like, there's the screen, you know, five inches, whoa, look at the wave, but um, it was still impressive, you know, I could only imagine what it would be like in the whole thing, but, but I felt myself there in the ocean of God, and I was like, drown me, man, go ahead, go ahead, just, okay, let's go to the text, Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Where is it? Okay. Yeah, it's real close to the middle. I know. I've I've seen it in here before. Now, Psalm 51, of course, is the big repentance psalm that David wrote after Nathan the prophet nailed him about Bathsheba. But we're not going to get into that because that's not the point. Um, We're just going to skip right down to number... Verse number 12 and 13, and this is, this is my text. This is relating a bit to the idea of evangelism. Let's take a look in verse 13 because it says, Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners shall be converted to you. Doesn't that sound good? I mean, I, I, we, we want to see not just church growth, and especially not church growth because people come from other churches. I mean, not that that's bad all the time because, you know, there are times where the God stirs up the hunger and, and, you know, we move to a different level or something like that. Something's going on. That You know, I'm not criticizing any of that. But you know what I love? I love finding lost people and talking to lost people and somehow this gospel that, as Paul said, it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes that somehow by the foolishness of just sharing and, and talking and that, that light shines into the darkness and life comes to the dead and they rise up and they're alive in Christ. That's what I want to see more of. And I think that is what you want to see more of. And verse 12 Gives us a little, at least, you know, I don't, don't, I've been a Christian long enough to have kind of gotten over the idea that anybody's going to give me the formula for anything. Okay? And I'm not claiming that this is the formula, but this is at least something. (laughs) It's something. And it says this, restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous, I like the old King James, it says, by your free spirit. Yeah. We used, to, we used to sing this every Sunday. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. We had no clue what we were talking about, but it was a good song. Uh Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I, I as Pastor Cameron mentioned, I, I used to be a pastor. And uh, I remember preaching on joy because I believe in joy. I believe that joy is one, like, really an important element of the Christian life. But one of the things I found was when I would preach on joy... By the time I was done, everybody was depressed, and and the reason is that preaching on joy does not produce joy. Preaching on joy generally produces introspection because we're like, "Do you have enough joy?" Well, no, I don't. Well, you're supposed to. Okay, I'll try, you know, and strive, you know, trying to get joy. When I, that doesn't work, you know, and and. This is one of the things, actually what I found is that most things that we want to see flourish in our hearts don't come by preaching about those things. They come by preaching and presenting the thing that produces that thing, okay? Okay, so the thing that produces joy here is it's the joy of his salvation. So many times, you know, and, and... I don't know. It's been a while since I've done it, but I'm not claiming that I haven't. <laughs> uh, many times, a lot of Christians, you know, we read this and we read it, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Now, believe me, I think it's a great thing to rejoice in the fact that you're saved. You know, I, I like that. I think that I don't think anybody does it enough and there have been times where in the midst of battle and, and, and spiritual warfare, I have just gritted my teeth and, and started going, hallelujah, I'm saved. I don't feel like I'm saved, but I'm saved. But that's not what David was talking about there. It's the joy of thy salvation. In other words, it's the picture of the greatness of God in his, you know, It says his right hand and his holy arm. And every time I hear that, I think about God going, check it out. He looks a lot better than I do. But, you know, he's just got that awesomeness. And it's the vision of that awesomeness that produces the joy. Okay? Now, that is actually the first point of everything that I have to say. Okay? Okay? And I don't know what will necessarily increase your revelation of his salvation for you. Because the way God does it, it's got to be, you know, right, heart to heart. He's got to show you himself. You know, however, one of my favorite things, I live in California now, again, And uh, we live on what is called the Central Coast. And so within a very, you know, within a half an hour, we're at the ocean. And the ocean that we're at is marvelous. And among other things that are in the ocean where we're at are whales. Ooh. And uh, we will drive up the coast to a good spot and stop and look out. And we got our binoculars. And I have a spotting scope. And every, and sometimes there will be, like, just people walking around, and they're not paying any attention, but I'm looking out there like this, and I see a spout. And I zoom in on it. And then I get my spotting scope, and I go, okay, he was right there. I'm going to get him in. I get the whale out there. And there was just the last time I was out, there was this humpback whale that kept flinging one flipper out of the water and slapping it down and flinging it up and slapping it down. But he was, I I don't know how to measure distances, but he was so far out there, it was about that big. But when I looked at it through my spotting scope, it was like that big. And I was magnifying the whale. Okay? And... People came by, and you know what? I didn't say, okay, God, help me. I need to be able to tell them about the whale. (laughs) I I was like, hey, man, there's a whale out there. Really? Wow. Check it out. Look in here. Look here. And get them to look, and sure enough, they would see and go, wow. And the next thing I knew, they were saying, hey, look, there's whales. You know, the dad's talking to his kids. Look, honey, there's a whale out there. You know? And whale evangelism just happened. <laughs> you know? And it was not striving. It was not stress. It wasn't anything. It was just, I just loved those whales so much, and I magnified them. And when I did that, I invited other people to come see what I had seen. And when they saw it, it, wow, the joy of whales. Yeah. And the next thing you know, there have been times where a whole crowd has gathered around And sharing the binoculars, looking out there, there's another one, like this. And it's just spontaneous combustion happens. You getting the idea? So what I want to do in the next few minutes that are allotted to me, which I appreciate, this is the everlasting gospel. (laughs) But I'm going to preach just a little part of it. (laughs) I, want to, I do want to share a little bit of what I'm seeing in my scope, okay? Because I'm seeing things about his salvation that fill me with a joy and that because of that joy, I find myself just, hmm. Mm. My, my biggest problem is how do I begin to communicate this? You know, to people who are apparently oblivious to the whole thing. You know, it, it's like I got to get the, the door to get in. But once I get started, I can't stop. So, here we go. Okay, where am I? I don't know. Okay, his salvation, part two. <laughs> I'm, I'm using my notes, see. When we think about his salvation, a lot of times, we begin with a human-centric right. viewpoint. You know, we either start of course with ourselves, you know, the joy of my salvation. And uh, I don't know if anybody besides me has ever come to the place where you're doubt you're questioning, you know you' you're maybe you're under attack or something like this, like, am I really saved? And can I ever be saved? You know, And I have found that actually, moving into the joy of his salvation, you know, I, I, I sometimes have said, you know what? Maybe I'm not going to be part of it. And of course, I'll be weeping, wailing, and gnashing my teeth if that's the case. But God is going to have a great multitude from every tribe and kindred and nation and everything that no man can number around his throne. And enemy, you're going to be the loser. Yeah. And sooner or later, I find that I get to be included in that bunch, you know. You know. But, but again, you know, it's like lifting up my eyes beyond myself that I think is hugely invaluable, which is why I'm saying it over and over. Um, but sometimes we even we, we think about the plan of God or the purpose of God, and we start off with lost sinners, And lost sinners are lost sinners, okay? And to be lost is a horrible thing. To perish is a horrible thing. And God is not willing that any should perish. And so the compassion we have or the the motivation we have for looking at his salvation in terms of, you know, the people who need to be saved and how he will do that, that's that's a totally valid thing. But we can even step back from that. Some people go back one step to the original plan of God for man before the fall, which is good, but I like to go just one step back from that from before creation, okay, because I, I look in my scope with me, okay, and look beyond, before the foundation of the world. I just love that phrase, because before anything was created, there is the God who is love. Okay? No, no time, no space. I read something the other day about the God who is to whom all the, the universe is as a mathematical point. <laughs> Whoa. But this is, this is the eternal God, but God who is love. He, love is not something he does. Love is something he is because of his nature. And that tells us that his nature involves more than one person, okay? Because love is a relationship. And you can't just have a relationship with yourself, though many of us do. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you for indulging me. But um, God, so there's, there's the God who, Father, whoo, begetting the Son eternally. Now, we have to understand that in, in, for human beings, begetting happens in time, so fathers are always older than sons. But there never was a, there's never an instance of existence where the Father was not the Father. And that means there was never a time when the son was not the son because the father can't be the son without the son. The father can't be the father without the son, right? So the eternalness of the, the father-son relationship is, is one vital reality of the Christian faith. And uh, I'm not going to get into that camera. will explain that in much more detail later. <laughs> but the father loving the son Oh, I got to tell you this, and maybe I won't get any farther, but one of the, the reason that my wife and I moved to California originally was that my dad was out there, and he was 93, and he was needing, he was needing somebody to be with him. We didn't know how huge of an extent he needed somebody. We thought we'd just kind of move into the same town and s- come over and visit him in the evenings once in a while. But we found out that he needed us pretty much from the time he woke up to the time he went to bed, and sometimes after that. And so for about two years, we became his full-time, really, 24-7 caregivers. And uh, it was a little challenging sometimes, but, but it was the most marvelous and wonderful. I, I mean, I can't, I can't think of too many two-year periods in my life that were better than that. Okay? Okay. And, and my dad, oh, man, my dad, one of the most marvelous persons that you'd ever want to know. And we had great times. We'd sing together a little bit, and we had our little, our favorite song was, Well, we ain't got a barrel of money. Maybe we're ragged and funny, but we'll travel along singing our song. Sigh by side and we'd walk around whistling and singing you know and that was just but but the thing is that i i learned something i i didn't learn it i experienced something of a son serving his father now very very different in the, in that of course god has no need you know he himself is absolutely full and my dad like needed everything but yet it was it was it was serving him but it wasn't serving him like an obligation at all it wasn't like it was my duty as a son to do this it was like this is the hugest privilege that anybody has ever been granted I felt like all my other brothers and sisters would be jealous of me and they might have been I'm not sure but no they, uh, they appreciated the fact that we were there but but I was just getting to be with him and I remember one night especially. I had uh how did that happen? Sorry. <laughs> I had uh I had tucked dad into bed and uh we were saying our nightly prayers. Now I lay, we we would do the now I lay me down to sleep, you know, and and Jesus tender shepherd hear me and and we'd do the Lord's prayer together. It was the same prayers he used to pray with me when I was a kid. And uh so we would do that, and, and I was just holding his hand, and I was looking in his eyes, and neither of us was saying anything, but he was just, he was looking at me, I don't even know if he knew at that point that I was his son, you know, in that technical sense of knowing, but he, he, he knew I was the guy that loved him, Okay. And he was just looking at me, and love was just pouring out. And I was looking at him, and I was just loving him. And, and there was this incredible, just constant, like, back and forth between us. And I don't know how long it lasted, but it was just, it was just the most beautiful communion that was happening. And I realized at some point in that that I was actually experiencing, a little bit, a little taste of the eternal Godhead where the Father is seeing the Son and just going, I love you. And the Son is just receiving that and just knowing that he is so precious in this Father's eyes and pouring back, reflecting back that love and seeing the Father. You know, Jesus... You know how good the father is? How, the father is so good that the person who knew him best was willing to let himself be crucified and be tortured to death to honor him and to go through even the time where he felt forsaken and yet at the end of that time to commit his spirit into his father's hands knowing how good his father was. That's how good the father is. And I guess I'm going to stop with that. Not that that's the end, but that's just the beginning. But I'll be back (laughs) next service. But, of course, you know, everybody is in total liberty and freedom. I don't want to make anybody feel weird. But if you stick around, I'll probably say some things that I haven't said yet. (laughs) It's totally up to you. But let's, can we just rise up and stand up together and just say, just invite, invite the Holy Spirit to come and reveal the God that we already, we know him in part We've tasted and seen that he is good, but there is so much more of him. And the more we see of him, and, and from his nature comes his salvation. That's what we're going to get into next time. But, um, Father, here we are. Here we are, and, and oh, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that somehow light shined into our darkened hearts. Somehow life came to our dead spirits because of your good goodness and your grace. But Father, we would appreciate that you would open the eyes of our hearts yet more and more, that you would show us things that we haven't seen of you, that you would help us to magnify you and see you in more clarity and more beauty. God, and from that, from that, we'll, we, don't, we won't have to try to have joy God, but joy will happen because we will see you as you are in a greater way. Father, we invite you to come. We ask you to come. We thank you for coming. We thank you that you are in us by your Holy Spirit to show us the things that have freely been given to us by you. And in all of it, in all of it, it's through Jesus, your wonderful, wonderful son. And we thank you in his name. Amen.